This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by Hamilton, a value-add investment and development firm in Nashville, Tennessee, focused on bringing passive real estate investment opportunities directly to your inbox. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com invest to sign up for upcoming investment opportunities. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. If you are watching us live, you're probably seeing a little bit of a construction uh, zone going on here behind me. We're actually updating part of the YouTube set. Really excited to bring that out uh, for the more educational videos that we're releasing every week. Uh, but today we're interviewing Adam Miller. Really excited to have him on the show. Uh, so Adam started off at the U University of Tennessee, um, and then he spent some time uh, at Tractor Supply, where he kind of spearheaded the implementation of artificial intelligence into their uh, whole like store system, which we'll get into. is really exciting. Um, spent some time at a family office as well, one of the largest here in Nashville, actually, and uh, now works at Hamilton as our investment analyst. So he is responsible for putting together our pitch decks, analyzing markets and new product types, and underwriting all of our deals. So Today, we're going to dive into how you should be looking at your deals, what uh, what else you should be considering in the general real estate market, and so much more. So, Adam, that was a very brief introduction on you and who you are, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm a Tennessee boy through and through. I grew up here, in here. Crossville. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing, right? That's Especially right. now. Yeah, it's pretty big in Nashville now. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I grew up about two hours east of here in Crossville, uh, University of Tennessee. I studied supply chain, uh, which is quite a uh, off the beaten path from where I am now. Uh, went to Tractor Supply. I uh, was there about seven years. I kind of cut my teeth on quite a lot of different things. Uh, somehow I got a job with. Uh, the Corleone is <laughs> <laughs> the Godfathers of Nashville. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the Corleone is Michael, uh, and uh, yeah, I ended up here. I uh, I think that there's a lot. The city is it's magnificent, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a very exciting time. Uh, this is kind of an old boys club. I feel like this is one of the few outfits that isn't quite the old boys club. Thank you. <laughs> Wear that as a badge of honor for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's what's exciting about it is an exciting market, exciting place, uh, exciting team. Uh, you're developing quite a unique set of skills, uh, which I think makes us different, right? Uh, yeah, I love that. We'll we'll definitely dive into that too because um, that's that's one thing that's been really fun talking with you about is just how different we are from everybody else. I mean, I you know I didn't have any family office experience. I didn't know what that world was like. So just hearing how they look at deals compared to the kinds of deals that we're offering is really interesting uh, because one, it's right up their alley, but two, the returns are two to three x sometimes uh, typically what they're seeing, which is a lot of fun and. You know, there's there's a mission behind what we're doing uh, instead of just going out and developing to make a bunch of money, which, you know, <laughs> hey, we're going to make money. But there's also, you know, so much more behind what we're doing. So when Adam came in and interviewed with us, he told me this story that like still sticks with me to this day. And I want to dive into this because this is what 
honestly sold us on bringing <laughs> you on board. He's sitting in there talking about, and he hands this chart to me, and I've never seen anything like it before in my life, and I'm not even going to pretend to know what it was. But he's like, yeah, we, we determined that uh, the number one driving success factor for a tractor supply was tractor grease sales within a county. And you start to think about that, and you go, well, of course, it's tractor supply. They're, they're dealing with people in the country that, you know, the tractors grease is going to be a, a huge determining factor as to whether the store is successful. But how many thousands of SKUs does tractor supply have? And, you know, it's millions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually so, uh, so <clears throat> we want to dive into that. Uh, principal component. So, uh, anyone that's listening now, I'm telling you the two key things that you could just take away from this. Just throw away the rest. Just principal component, random forest. Uh, they changed my life. Uh, it's been a statistical tool in the bag since the old IBM models. Uh, Can you explain a little bit of what that means? Yeah, so principal component is it's it's trying to derive what is whatever you're trying to model for. So for most businesses, it's going to be sales, it's going to be profit, which we can get into pro profitability is a little bit different than sales. Uh, so top line, bottom line, keep those in separate bins. Uh, there's a lot of, some people are, they're incentivized by uh, what their bonus is modeled for. Uh, so for merchandisers, right, top line is going to be their core. They don't really care so much about bottom line. For most operators, uh, in my mind, as a finance, bottom line is always going to be the the model success, which, again, sorry, I'm bobbing and weaving over here. <laughs> uh, there's If you're in a growth stage, right, top line is always going to be kind of your focus, but back to principal component, that's where sometimes I, maybe I, I wander a little bit. Uh, principal component is going to give you the key levers that quite literally move the needle the most. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the beginning, actually what got me into finance was trying to understand uh, from merchandising was what, uh, what actually pushed sales the most or at least what were those principal drivers uh, to be able to start understanding categories that quite literally were the biggest theme. I uh, ran PCA and then I uh, did a uh, random forest, and lo and behold, you have these very tight clusters that sometimes uh, they call it data mining for a reason because for the most part, you're you're kind of digging in the blind, praying that uh, hoping you stumble across something. Yes, that there is for whatever reason that the millions of people that come into a store, in this case, Track Supply, uh, have a core theme. Uh, and in this case, yes, it was it was grease and equine buckets. Uh, we can actually get into the. Uh, the the secret sauce at Tractor Supply. Anyone out there wants to start up a <laughs> farm and fleet? We got it. Uh, but uh, yeah, these actually, and it, it really came down to four main SKUs, which made it even more unbelievable. Uh, and then, you know, 
I don't want to dive right into it, yeah. but that's what then led to, uh, and this is where anyone watching, uh, a small thing, a nugget can turn into quite literally tens and tens of millions of dollars in capital expenditure. Uh, it started the Hadoop uh, cloud-based modeling at Tractor. At the time we were running this, it was uh, Natiza. And then, you know, we built the actual recommendation model. The whole CRM team was built overnight. Uh, completely new marketing division. Uh, I mean, it was wild. From, it's amazing. From that, from those few data points, they built this entire... From one regression model, one nugget. And not even a nugget. I would call it a flake in the pan, right? Because you got to keep digging to find that vein. That was the flake in the pan that's like, yep, I'm going to spend the next three, five years, they're still digging, to find that vein because this is the flake that's worth digging for. So if you if you bring that back to real estate, I mean, the the number of, of data points that we think about that I think a lot of us have a gut intuition uh, when it comes to, you know, hey, I'm buying this deal because it's in a great area. Well, what makes it great, right? A lot of us kind of have that intuition, but bringing it down to what Adam is saying is like, let's throw some science behind it. What is the zoning? What's the drive-by traffic? What's the daytime population? What is the, how many number of residential permits, you know, uh, renovation permits have been pulled within a one mile radius in the last year? It's data points like that, that if you can figure out why that project was successful, you can then replicate it time and time again, based on data and science and not just a gut feeling. I think that this will be good. Because I would think, especially with the kind of real estate that we're doing, residential permits, like renovation permits, uh, has to be a pretty big determining factor into the success of commercial real estate in some of these areas because we're going into emerging corridors, right? And residential always beats commercial to the punch. So well, we're obviously working on all of our different yeah. data points and the kinds of things that we're <laughs> going to be getting into. But now I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, man, maybe See, we need to look the, into how many residential renovation permits are being pulled in this specific area. And this is where we gotta we gotta dig. So this is out of uh, domain expertise so domain knowledge is one of the three legs of of actually getting into the science of data uh is you know mathematics is one i feel like we got that domain knowledge you got uh and then sometimes it takes at huge scale uh you know somebody who can put up a stack uh, yeah that's right <laughs> you know uh and yeah the three legs though domain knowledge is always one uh so one of the core uh, one of the reasons for success i call it serendipity uh is i happen to grow up in the country i happen to grow up outside of one of the original stores uh one of the first 300 tractors uh and for whatever reason it was an outlier it in its in its success it it did not make sense and the population density the median household income uh, all these factors that should kind of you know kneecap it (laughs) back to the corleone yeah (laughs) i should kneecap it didn't uh and again that's where intuition is going to it's going to lead you down the road of this makes sense why I should dig here. Uh, and observation, uh, biggest keys is 
go with that gut feel, feeling uh, because people that actually know the business are they're the people that they're going to get you on that lead. Uh, they're your bird dogs, yeah. right? They're going to tell you. They might not bring it back to you exactly the way you need it, but right, just right that. there riffing is uh, these are data points that as we aggregate them, uh, we're going to become more and more successful because – we can back test and then we can find, you know, a good analyst is somebody that finds uh, value in superficial failures, what I call it. Yeah. Uh, is in the quite literally, people will throw away uh, something as a failure when they, they miss the bigger picture, right? It's the, the forest and the trees. Right? We talk about it a lot here. Yep. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. I think tractor supply is a really interesting case study for that as well because they started off taking those old Kmart stores. Yes. Right? So it was kind of a gut feeling like, hey, the this store that we did in an old Kmart uh, worked out really well. Let's just keep doing that. And they replicated it to the point where they ran out of Kmart stores. They did. So then you guys just went in and started analyzing, okay, well, what makes the top 10% stores successful? And then you started using that data to go to the next one. And I think, you know, we as real estate investors should all be thinking of what data can we pull away from every single one of our investment properties that was successful. And there was a failure, honestly, because you can learn just as much from that as you can anything else. Um, but why, why was it successful? You know, of course, get, get rid of the gut opinion. We all know that, that you know, it's probably going to work, but why? Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we all just had a giant stack of money and could buy high rises <laughs> in the middle of town and just be like, yeah, yeah. we'll get our 7% return and double it up every decade. Uh, be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> most of us do not have that option. <laughs> yeah. 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 And at the end of the day, uh, it's you want to, the more active you are, the more you vet things, the more... Uh, the better returns are just going to end up being. Yeah. Right. Is passively yeah. throwing it into some index fund is never going to return. Actually knowing the person you're giving face to face your money to. Right. Right. Well, and being able to go, you know, if, if you're raising capital, like we are, we're always raising capital from friends and family investors or just, you know, mom and pop investors, you know, to be able to go to them with the data and yeah. say, and, and banks too, lenders want to see this kind of stuff too, to say, look, you know, here's why, here's our last project. Here's why it's successful. Here's all the data points that that had. Here's this project that we want to do now. It shares all of these data points. You should invest with us. We yeah. think that this is going to be successful. It's more of a, instead of just a story, you actually have the facts to back it up. Well, Peter Drucker, the most famous logistician, uh, his best quote ever was, uh, without data, you're just another guy with an opinion. <laughs> and you <laughs> oh, know what those people one. are, right? Yeah. Wow, that's good. Everyone's got one. Everyone's got an opinion. <laughs> so tell us about working at a family office. What was that? Like, what did you learn there moving from tractor supply to a family office? Uh, it takes a whole lot of people to spend a billion dollars. <laughs> 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 you know what they say if uh if you want to become a millionaire 
uh, start off as a billionaire and buy a, an airplane company. So. Yeah. No. Hey, as a great philosopher once said, uh, Mr. Biggie Smalls, mo money, mo problems. I uh, no, uh, great family. I uh, I learned that yeah, it's it's complicated. Uh, everyone wants something from you. At the yeah. end of the day, uh, everyone wants something from you. Uh, you have to learn to say no. But then generational wealth is, uh, there's being rich and then there's being wealthy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> rich is the Rolex. Rich is uh, apparently now the, the uh, NFT oh, board gosh. apes. Ouch. Don't even get me started on these <laughs> fungible tokens. The metaverse. Uh, <laughs> Which we're going to talk about here in a second, too. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. But being rich, uh, it's a flash. Being wealthy is, it's it's a glacier, right? It's the under the surface, yeah. grinding, safe plays, preservation. Uh, and I can tell you right now, man, real estate, that is best performing asset uh no offense to those people out in uh new york trying to just rob you with fees but uh unless you know the company you're buying uh passive indexes unless you truly believe inflation's going to uh be a huge theme for the rest of your life which is counterintuitive to having a hard asset then uh right Passive investing is you. The fees are going to handicap you over the scale of your life. Let's talk about inflation because that's a conversation you and I have been having for the last yeah. few weeks. I mean, why why is inflation good for real estate? So inflation is good for real estate because it props up assets. Uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to pass on whatever that infl. I mean, that's why land leases are. You know, we don't want to talk about those right now, but. Land leases, you have to gauge for inflation because at the end of the day, whatever you're indexing to, wages will have to rise, either that or right, politicians that are in office, your, your living index will deteriorate significantly if what you're putting into where you live and the cost of everything that's around you does not scale with land. Right. I mean, quite literally. I mean, uh, it's one of the largest drivers of the PPI is uh, a lot of the cost inputs. Uh, it's the best hedge, hard assets. At the end of the day, uh, I don't care what anyone says because that is the one thing that will forever hold value, uh, right, is yeah. at any They're point. not making any more of it. Not making more of it, and at the end of the day, you always have to have a place to rest your head. You yeah. always have to have a place to live. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, what is it, Maslow's uh, core? Oh, yeah, basic needs. <laughs> yes. So you're investing in a basic need to live. Uh, so for one, that's always pretty safe haven. That's true. <laughs> uh, that and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Whether the economy's up or down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that on other podcasts, but <laughs> vice indexes are pretty safe too. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's interesting to dive into what's going on. I mean, because you know the the United States has printed so much money this past year that of course we're going to have inflation no matter what. And 
you know, you've been telling me Goldman Sachs is basically right off the bat next year, it's four and a half percent inflation, no matter what, which if you're in real estate is actually a really, really good thing. If you are locking in your, your loans today, because if you lock in a loan at today's rate, that's it. It's finite. It's locked in. You've got it for five or seven years, whatever your commercial loan is. Right. But next year, your dollar is worth four and a half percent more. Yeah. I mean, you're basically you're I mean, you're significantly outpacing the amount of debt that you have on the property. So, uh, I mean, unless you've got it not locked in, in which case it adjusts to the consumer price index or whatever that ends up being, uh, then you might you know, not get to benefit from it. But man, you walk in a five or seven year term right now, you're looking pretty good over the next few years. Yeah, I can promise. I can. I'll go on the record right now. Uh, yeah, it, the biggest loan you can take, take it. Uh, this is going to be worth worth the sweet spot. Uh, there will not be a better time to get a long term loan than we see right now. Quite literally, interest rates are way too low. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Federal Reserve. Uh, well, you're already seeing it. Is Jay Powell? <laughs> he yeah. got reelected, and what do you know? We have to take literally just a couple hours ago. We must take the term of transitory out of the language. Already signaling the markets are reacting that inflation is not transitory, and that the Fed has misstepped. They should have hiked rates long ago, and they printed too much money. Yeah, now's the time. If you can get a loan, get a loan, lock it in, and especially in real estate, you will print money uh, because you. At the end of the day, you're going to be able to pass it off. Because yeah. wages will have to rise. We're seeing it. Chipotle, across the board, wages are rising. Uh, sweet tea. Sweet tea I love. Yeah. It is now $1.29. That has always been my canary in the coal is mine. It? It's ridiculous. Yes. Oh, but man, the Arizona? Arizona. And they're, um, that's where it's like if Costco hits. They haven't raised prices in like 150 years. Yeah. It's been a very long. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Our, yeah. our entire lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, as soon as Costco rotisserie chicken goes up, <laughs> tell you, start buying gold, <laughs> but nah, no, get off a tinfoil hat. No, uh, I love these. Adam will go on these tangents where he like starts talking about price parity in other countries too. And he's like, it's all based on Big Macs. How many Big Macs can you buy in a country? That's all that matters. Purchase power parity. Yeah. If you want to go on vacation, uh, just DM us. I'll hook you up. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, That's a very good. Russia is pretty good right now. Russia, uh, the ruble is, oh man, Rasputin is rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, yeah, no, Russia is great. Uh, if you, if you, if you are get right, around the fact that it's Russia, <laughs> yeah, political sanctions. But man, those Slavs, I got some Slav in me. Uh, we're very uh, utility based people. Uh, but no, Russia, a great place. Uh, Poland, also great. You won't risk political sanctions there. So <laughs> maybe go there. The Black Sea, five-star resorts are like 60 bucks a night. So That's so crazy. And you even have a little uh, babushka they'll cook for you every day. I love that. <laughs> Julian's jumping on the podcast. Long time no see, Julian. Great podcast tonight. Appreciate <laughs> it, man. Um, so... Taking this into analyzing markets, right? You know, obviously we're doing deals in Nashville and Chattanooga. How do you 
you're just starting to study and learn Chattanooga, right? We've been yeah. in Nashville for a while. What do you look for if you're exploring a new market? What do you start trying to study? What do you try and learn about it to determine whether or not that's even a city worth investing in? Uh, so, I mean, for one, uh, these days, uh, the political atmosphere is how business friendly are you? I mean, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's probably principal component one is are the people willing to, are, are they going to just try to regulate you out and just cripple you as a business leader? I mean, you're seeing that Blount County, love that place. I think they're going to do great things uh, just outside Chattanooga. They're about to have an international air- airport uh, that's going to compete with Charlotte. Uh, business friendly. Uh, they just got Smith & Wesson, game changer. Uh, and that's all it takes. Yeah, is right. Massachusetts, Taxachusetts, as we call them here in Tennessee. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's how radical are the politicians, right? So I think it's it sounds crazy because that shouldn't even be a consideration, but today it is. But it does. I mean, if you think about it, uh, that you know, you look at what happened in Atlanta and Georgia over the last year, or Detroit and Michigan, right? I mean, you had. A lot of these, you know, very at odds politicians that created a, a honestly a negative business environment for everybody, yeah. right? And so, you do want to go into a place that has a stable political environment because it may make the difference as to whether you can get something passed or not, right? If if these politicians are working to just get reelected because it's so strenuous and it's a tough market, then they're not going to work with you on a rezoning. They don't care, nope. right? Yeah, you're gonna get rug rug pulled. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, and again, at the end of the day, is uh, we like the top side from inflation as a hedge, uh, right? It's the safest asset class, uh, maybe outside of gold. But gold, you don't get good returns on gold. Uh, yeah. So you want to mitigate risk, and political risk seems to be, in my opinion, uh, I mean, outside of Ebola crossing with covid and <laughs> cavola we came close <laughs> yeah <laughs> outside of that uh i feel pretty good that political risk uh that's that's top uh you also want to see a diverse culture uh you want to see a right a net positive influx of people that right the the number one theme is growth uh so that's probably number two on my principal components. Uh, I know that's kind of what I was looking at a long time ago. Once I started, you know, the family office was uh, trying to look at, you know, what are the patterns? Uh, we have a new census coming out. Uh, it's still all the data hasn't come out. Uh, but, you know, the, the key thing that you're going to be looking for is high income earners. You're going to be looking for growth. Uh, so for me, I always like to look at uh, – colleges uh just because you get the i call it inorganic growth uh that's the number one booster you're seeing murfreesboro uh right is murfreesboro's <laughs> it's not nashville but uh it's growing despite itself oh no it's <laughs> it's blowing up and it's quite literally yeah. because of the college right? right it's inorganic growth they go there they like it it's the biggest university in the state of tennessee and it's easy to just transition over. Uh, I also like Conroe, so I want to get on record. Conroe, 
just north of Houston and, of course, Salt Lake City. That was my two favorite outside of Nashville. Oh, you're going to throw Conroe and Salt Lake City into the same sentence? Uh, yeah. Well, no. I mean, uh, we were talking Tennessee. Uh, long-term, Blount County, great. I think they're going to kill it. High-end, uh, it's going to be a fantastic place for boutique. Maybe All right. Well, let's go buy some stuff in Blount County. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, any, fun, any uh, big money guys out there? We got an idea for you. Blount yeah, County. Tell us about Blount County. <laughs> no, outside of Nashville. First, you know, Nashville's our focus. But, yeah, 10 years down the road, Blount County is going to be a great place, in my opinion. We'll have the hard, raw data here at some point uh, as soon as the census comes out. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's interesting because back testing the old census, uh, I always thought Conroe is going to be a place that's going to be pretty unique. Uh, and that's outside the urban core, because uh, right? we don't really want to predict urban cores. Uh, no. Just because it, it quite literally is what corporation moves to the urban core. That's, pre- that's pretty much the only determining factor because it's so expensive and you have to build towers. Yep. That's why I've always loved operating in the urban core adjacent. Like Oracle just announced a 65-acre, 8,500-employee campus, and uh, we didn't have to have anything to do with it for us to benefit because all of our projects are right down the street. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I think we're going to benefit even more so than the core, just because culture, uh, I'm sure that'll be something we talk about a lot. Uh, Culture, it is in where we operate. Uh, You can't put a dollar value on it, uh, but there will be a dollar value attached to it at some point. Uh, I mean, culture is one of the biggest reasons that Nashville's done well. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, that was the first flag planted, right? It was a yeah. skirmahorn, and, uh, you know, the Turner family graciously planting both the skirmahorn, helping that out, and then... It's huge. Yeah, and then the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, and Country Music in general. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny enough, I mean, I you know, I grew up, I was never a big Country Music fan. Couldn't care less about it. It's probably because I'm from Nashville. But you look at the culture that, that is created... I mean, Broadway is now as much of a destination, it seems, as Vegas is, right? I mean, you know, Vegas is spread out over several square miles, and Nashville's tourism is almost a four-block radius, which is crazy to think about. We're top three in weddings, so think about that, is you have Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, Vegas, Nashville. So, I mean, that's wild Pigeon Forge? Yeah, Pigeon Forge. They're number two in hotel density. Outside of Orlando, Disneyland. I would never have thought that. Oh, it's – and I, I remember going there as a kid forever. I mean, when I was just a kid, and there were six hotels, and now is just Disneyland outcompetes them. Not even Disneyland California. Got more of them. No. Yes. Florida. This is what I love about having somebody like Adam <laughs> – Hanging around us. He's just, he's full of so much ridiculous knowledge. I mean, earlier he was quoting, or he quoted Biggie Smalls on the podcast, but he was quoting Jay Z earlier. He was like, as a great philosopher once said, going sycamore into tree. exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause this table's a sycamore tree. So, of course, he had to quote Jay Z. But yeah. um, another thing that, that Adam is doing with us is uh, underwriting all of our projects and building out our models because, you know, I used to obviously, um, underwrite every single one of our projects with spreadsheets that 
um, either I had created or I'd taken from somebody else and modified a little bit, but I didn't have the background of really building out those models like Adam has. So what, what have you learned so far? I mean, what's, what's interesting and, and what do you look for when you are underwriting these opportunities to make sure that they, they'll probably be a good investment? Yeah. So, uh, I think with COVID, uh, and with anything, right, is, uh, the most appealing part of real estate is that it's safe to be as pessimistic as humanly possible <laughs> to beat the hell out of a deal. Yeah. is to just say, you know, what, it, what happens if quite literally everything goes wrong? Uh, the contractor takes three years. Yeah. <laughs> we start hitting balloon interest payments. Uh, our interest rate is loan shark. Uh, can we still operate? Uh, and then we're still at 50% what, right? Somebody who's got a vision thinks we can be. Yeah, uh, so stress testing. Yes, is, is just being doom and gloom. Yeah, so <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that when you're like diving into the underwriting? Uh, so for me, it's uh, I want to always see right is look at the people that that are experts in in the field. Uh, so we have a hotel operator that's done thirty two different deals. He's very successful, right? Probably living in a nice place down Brentwood. <laughs> uh, I look to him to say, what does he think this is? Right? He's probably he's my bird dog. Domain expertise. We talked about that right. earlier. It's one of the three legs. Uh, I'm not an expert in this field. Uh, you know, as time rolls on, right, I'm going to have a nice ledger of data to be able to lean back, back test, look for those outliers, say, eh, maybe this is a place. But for the most part, lean on them to understand what they think it can be. And then quite literally look at, okay, if this is what down the middle road looks like, where do we get to break even? Uh, because if we can stomach where break even is, then let's look at it even further down this way and think, is, is that realistic to think unless there is, you know, they call them gray swan events, COVID. Right. Right. That puts you out. That's not on you. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just, that's very bad luck and terrible timing. Uh, so people, and that's where you almost hope is some of the people that, man, just had some bad timing a couple of years ago yeah. uh, as operators, you always hope that they have another swing at it. Uh, so, you're, so you're going in and you're looking at, you know, hey, what if the rent comes in 20% lower? What if our occupancy goes down 5%? What if our operating expenses go up? I mean, what, what else are you kind of taking into account? Of course, interest rates. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of stuff is terms, uh, average, what we think we're going to get per square foot. Uh, so there's there's a few levers. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it all comes down to the standard distribution graph, right? Is we know the, the bell curve. Yeah, the bell yeah. curve. We've been talking about a lot here. Getting them all learned up. <laughs> uh, and that's what the, the gray swan event we talk about is uh, – so uh, be, becoming a black belt uh, in lean manufacturing, they call it Six Sigma. That's what we talk about yep. a lot. Uh, one of our deals. The Toyota way. Yeah, we are a Six Sigma deal. Uh, we won't talk about that, but we're above that. Uh, gray Swan events, right, is if you stress test it to one in a billion, 
Uh, and that's where, you know, as we build this database that we're building, uh, we'll be able to understand, yeah, this is not a Six Sigma. Even at Six Sigma, we can still operate. Uh, but yeah, the, it's those principal components, right? It's what's your average square foot price? What can you get? What are your deal terms? So APR, and then a lot of it's kind of the the finagling of the finance, the debt stack. Uh, and at the end of the day, what is your occupancy? I mean, whatever deal it is, those are those are the first three things that are gonna really drive forecasting and they compound over time uh as much as i'm working on my blue orb yeah all the memes out there pondering the orb i feel like sometimes that's what i'm doing here uh pondering <laughs> the orb <laughs> you know, i uh it's so funny thinking about our process now for for analyzing and underwriting these deals because the first project that we ever did was literally like back of napkin numbers for me I said, okay, well, we can buy the building for five seventy five. I think I can rent it out in you know twelve to eighteen months for this rate, uh, based on what we'll be paying for you know the the loan uh, after debt service. Here's what we'll make. And the two guys that I, I took that deal to, they're like, yeah, okay, we'll invest with you on that. And now, which which is crazy thinking back on because the level of underwriting that we do now is like ten pages of Excel spreadsheets yeah. that are just incredibly complicated, taking into account every single factor. But, you know, now we're doing $17 million deals instead of $575,000 yeah. deals. But, I mean, do you think that you could possibly get away with not underwriting a deal that size? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you'd have to have quite the conviction and uh, maybe a briefcase – at the yeah, meeting with the banker, money. <laughs> <laughs> like here you go, <laughs> maybe some tickets to uh, the Beatles. I don't know. It's so true. I mean, once you get to a certain level uh, of sophistication, you have to. You have to. The banks yeah. won't even look at you if you if you say, "Oh, I didn't underwrite it. I just here's my gut feeling." They're like, "No, uh, get out of here." No, in the real estate, right? So you think, uh, all jokes aside, right? Joking a little bit, I is it's risk on risk, right? So real estate, we have fiduciary responsibility to be good stewards. Yeah, for our investors. Yeah, yeah. that we're not just craps rolling out there and yeah, we're gonna throw up a fifty story take building. A chance. I have a gut feeling this will work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean it's if you're gonna ever go to the craps table, real estate is a I mean it's safe. But then on top of that, banks, they're quite literally their only thing they look for. They don't even care about return is risk. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so it's like you have to go through two levels of risk. That's literally the only thing they care about. Yes. Risk. It's How no do we upside. mitigate a risk? Yeah, they don't care because they don't get a they don't get a part of the upside. Right. We put in a hotel that is just the hottest spot, you know, since like bread. percent Yep. That's it. They don't care. As long as you don't go bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, and just so, pay me every month. And unfortunately, that's where they're looking at the six, seven, and now, unfortunately, uh, you would think, so uh, we always talk about, uh, I don't want to get into limbic brain thoughts. Uh, <laughs> it's a real tangent. The lizard brain. Yeah, lizard brain. I love thinking about it. Biologically, what uh, trains us to think, why we think what we think, uh, biases. I always look at uh, 
lenses that we uh, make a lot a lot of our decisions through. We all have a bias, but uh, one of them is that we we like to we're our brain is trained to forget bad things. Unfortunately, for most people, right, is when you're trained for risk, you only think about bad things. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, we always want to remember the good times, uh, it, mainly because well, there's a lot of theories on it. But uh, one of them is, of course, childbirth, right? So you just have to forget that, otherwise. You know, maybe you wouldn't have more than one kid. So it's like, <laughs> boom, uh, they think that's pre-trained into us uh, in the mammalian, you know. Interesting. Yeah, it is wild, right, when you start thinking about that. And that it's just trained in all of us to forget pain. And it's wild because bankers, they only want to think about pain. That's how, I am with, that's how I am with tattoos, man. I always forget. Like, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I'll go back and get another one. And then as soon as it starts, you're like, oh, man, we've got six more hours of this. It's wild, though, right? Uh, so it's so it, true. It's a good – it's always good to remember, whereas, like, yeah, sometimes you're willing to go back to pain Yeah. Uh, because you're willing to forget it, and it's just trained into us. That's crazy. Well, we've only got uh, a few minutes left before we've got to go. I'm actually going to a Preds game tonight, so I've got to get out of here in a minute. Uh, but if you're if you're joining us live, yeah, if you're joining <laughs> us live, you have any questions for Adam, feel free to drop them in the live chat. We'll get over to those for sure. Adam, uh, one thing that I want to kind of close it out with if we don't have any questions. This past week, you sent me what I think is the dumbest transaction that has ever occurred in the world of real estate yep. ever. Yeah. Yep. Somebody paid $2.4 million for real estate in the metaverse. The metaverse. Which is a digital universe that doesn't really exist. Yeah, ridiculous. Two uh, point, what, like, explain that to me. How does that even work? I, either one. So this is, I told you about the sweet tea earlier. This one, if there are signs all out there. I mean, Jay Powell, he finally told us, but inflation it, i i think there's so much liquidity and i don't know if people are getting bored uh or they just need a write-off because there's no way that's ever going to make any money i, I don't know okay. maybe rich people are getting so bored that they think this is next i, I don't it's fascinating to me uh, 2.4 million dollars yeah and uh i i found the one take because i was like well i gotta learn about the metaverse uh i mean it's pumping a lot of if you want exposure, AMD, I've been calling AMD and NVIDIA, family also worked for, telling them all the time. It's the best exposure to crypto, metaverse. Well, now metaverse, and that's what's pumping them. They've been, uh, but yeah, if you want exposure without the risk, those are the two stocks. And we, you come talk to us, we'll tell you all the, yeah, I'm a big Levi Strauss guy. Uh, he's one of the greatest investors there ever was. Levi Jeans. Uh, so during Gold Rush, sell shovels. Yeah. Uh, you might be at one out of a hundred that buys a plot of land metaverse. Yeah. 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 Sell the components. Uh, but the metaverse. Uh, I found one take online. Uh, is is it the Zai guy? That's a conviction you have to have to pay almost three million dollars. 
is, is, is I, uh, I, I personally don't see it. So it's a hot take here. I don't like to put my convictions. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to me that somebody would pay two four million dollars for a digital piece of real estate. Like, what do you, what do you get out of that digital, digital real estate? I mean, I mean, why would, why would somebody rent, rent it and pay you money? Why would somebody else buy that in the future? In the future? I would imagine, imagine based on the IRS code, you can't depreciate it, so there's no tax bit, so there's no writing writing off initial initial Well, even if they lose money, right, that'll be. Life, lifetimes of you're only you're only able to write off dollars in capital gains losses, losses in stocks, stocks, which I'm sure that they're going to categorize the same same vein whenever they, they personally, personally I think it's laundering. laundering. Uh, <laughs> it's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, I'm, I'm quite positive that this is how either you're laundering money. It's the it's the, it's the only, only rational, rational thing that I can think, think of. It's like the like same, same reason that all these tire shops and used war <laughs> sales lots exist on Dickerson Pike and Nolensville. You're just like, there's no way this many people are buying used cars and going to tire shops. Yeah. But they're littered everywhere. And they're they're selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're just slowly leaking money out. I, yeah, I, money laundering I think is NFTs uh, outside of. The few that have become, right, the board apes, we talked about them. Yep. They're kind of like the feng shui Rolexes, I guess. I don't know. A, a lot of people talk about screenshot, and uh, there's rants online. They're, they're hysterical about screenshotting NFTs. Uh, but no, uh, it comes down to, though, if you're going to invest in them, so anyone out there that's bullish on them, we'll give you the bull case is uh, if you believe that, I mean, right now we're, we're on a digital platform, uh, you know, Tyler's followers are kind of his clan, is, is the zeitgeist of today that your digital life is as important as your physical life. Uh, that's where it's quite yin and yang. Uh, we have a good a little bit of both, right? Is uh, Facebook, uh, and then you think the millennials, Gen X, are they grew up with in the digital world? Uh, Gen X, somewhat. Gen X, I, any Gen Xers out there? God, you guys are very Taoists because you had a childhood analog, and then quite your entire adulthood has been digital. Uh, so they're very conflicted. Uh, that's where I don't think that they're going to be adopting this. Yeah. Uh, Older millennials were kind of on that cutoff too. Yeah, I, mean, I had a, I had tapes and a CD yep. player, and we at least knew the phone. internet since we were children. Yeah. Though that's the one. That's, that's true. The, the that's difference very true. is we. I remember well dial up. Yeah, mom, get off the phone. Great equalizer. <laughs> so I'm a huge. Uh, the internet is. It's one of the greatest things that have ever happened, uh, just because it's the equalizer. Yeah, growing up in Crossville, if it weren't for my dad, dropping money on a computer compact. Oh, no, it was Gateway. Uh, wow. Yeah, a long time ago. And thankfully, we were close enough to have decent internet. and But it, it, it gave us the access to the world of knowledge that just was not – it wasn't in Crossville. So true. It's like the modern-day encyclopedia. Yeah. Right. I mean, you think about having that 200 years ago. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, when you were small, small, like the encyclopedia was, you had to go there 
Yeah. <laughs> right? The running joke on the internet. It was before Google. <laughs> there's a there's a tweet. It's like, uh, yeah, man, uh, back 30 years ago, if, if you want a picture of a raccoon, you'd have to either have a picture of one or go to your local <laughs> go to your local library. You want a raccoon with a funny hat on? Just forget about it. <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> It's so true. We take the weirdest things for granted today on the, on, on the internet. So that's where bull case for metaverse. I think bear cases outweigh the bull, but yeah. Is it the zeitgeist? Ah, I'm yeah. not so convinced. We'll see. Um, that's really interesting. Well, Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, guys, we'll actually be starting a new series here soon. Uh, likely once a week, Adam and I diving into a news article or something that we've been working on talking about. Um, and analyzing for you all um, so that you all can kind of get an idea of what we've got going on. Um, and also just so that we can talk about some really interesting topics that I, I haven't gotten to share on the show before. Um, but let us know, let me know what you think in the comments. I want to know, do you think real estate in the metaverse will take off or do you think it's a total scam and people are just laundering money? <laughs> I genuinely want to know your opinion. Let me know. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, brought to you by Hamilton, your resource for passive real estate investment opportunities. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com to start building your passive real estate portfolio today.